Welcome to Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. You'll be learning their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your own business. Hello everyone and hi to welcome to another LinkedIn Live and welcome back to a fresh episode of Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm delighted to be joined by James Bolden today. James is Director of Client Outbound Strategy and Training at Outbound View. Sales training and coaching is a huge passion of his. He's been doing it for well over 12 years now. Um, he's spent the last five years building outbound sales team and seeing what actually works. So most recently in the outsourced and consulting sales development world. He also co-hosts the podcast, Assistant to the Regional, which is about the TV show, The Office, which I love, fantastic comedy, uh, both in the UK and the US. Um, and that's from the point of view of a salesperson. And he also produces the Lunch Break podcast. Plus he's a huge advocate of mindfulness in business and especially sales. James, a very warm welcome, dude. How are you, sir? Fired up to be here with you, Sam. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. Awesome, man. So as always, plenty we want to jump into. Um, we want to learn all things, tips, tricks, actionable strategies that people can put into play from tuning in and listening from today onwards. Um, but before we get to that good stuff, it'd be good to have a bit of background on yourself um, in terms of where you grew up, how you got into the business world and a few highlights um, of some of the sales roles you've had uh, up to now. That'd be great. Absolutely. So I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, which is where I still live. Uh, it's one of the few places that uh, has gotten cooler the older that I've gotten. Most places you kind of feel like you outgrow your hometown. At Raleigh, I can't seem to catch up with all of the <laughs> new things to do. So uh, still here in Raleigh. Um, and really, like a lot of people, uh, had no intention of being in sales. Uh, there were probably, if I look back, uh, inklings that sales was probably a good idea, uh, a good career for me to pursue. I loved, I wanted to be an actor when I was younger. I did theater. Uh, I was in every play in high school. So I never was afraid to be on stage, talk to people. I, I could turn on the extrovert when I needed to but never considered it seriously. Uh, I wanted to be a rapper for oh, the really? part. Yeah, I was all cool, in man. on, uh, you know, becoming a famous rapper from the time I was 18 to the time I was about 20. And um, then as typically happens, life kind of came in and said, hey, something else is going to go down. Uh, and I had my first child at 21. So... I had to, uh, yeah, a super fantastic event in my life, and uh, but but that meant that I had to figure out a way to to really make some income, and so kids, I was walking, yeah, absolutely, uh, and so I was walking through the mall and stressed out trying to figure out what I was going to do. Walked by the Radio Shack, they were hiring, and that was my first sales job. Uh, so that's literally how much thought I put into it, just to stroll through the mall. Um, so I started out in retail sales, worked in retail sales for about five years. Uh, in the, I ended up selling cell phones, uh, Verizon, AT&T, all the big ones, um, and eventually wanted to figure out uh, what a weekend felt like. 
what a normal <laughs> work schedule was like. Yeah, dude. I mean, um, yeah. it's interesting. You grew up in, I didn't know you're from Raleigh, North Carolina. That's one of the places in America I've actually been. Funny enough, um, without boring everyone too much, I went on a scout trip when I was about 14 or so. We went there for three weeks. Lovely, lovely part of the world. So I loved it. Um, Love it. And uh, yeah, interesting. So you, you wanted to be an actor. That didn't quite work out. Then did a bit of rapping and then uh, fell into a sales job like many of us do. Um, yeah. Interesting, you said retail. Um, a lot of people that have passed, listened to my past episodes will know that that's one of the first roles I had um, in terms of a camera shot. How did you find that, James? Because retail is pretty cutthroat, dealing with people face-to-face rather than inside sales where you can talk to them on a Zoom call or Skype or over the phone. It's, you're in the front of it, you're there, and you can't really avoid anything. So tell us a bit more how you found that and, and any lessons you learned in sales or business. Yeah, definitely learned some lessons in my days in retail. I had very little knowledge of the business world. Uh, I didn't go I didn't go to a four-year college and get a business degree. I went to like a full sale and got my digital audio. So I, I really the only version of sales I thought about or knew about were car sales, retail sales things like that. So to me, I wasn't even aware that there was another world out there. So that was part of it. It was like, well, if I want to be in sales, then this is it. I've got to do this. Um, and absolutely. I, when I first started super timid, would stand at the back of the store, really just try and ride out my seven or eight hours without any incident and like messing anything up that gets boring even for somebody that is scared like I was. So eventually, you know, I got training and started to try a little bit, but it wasn't really for two or three years until I started selling cell phones, had a few good managers that inspired me to, to want to be good at my job essentially. Um, And so, yes, it was tough, but I learned really the first thing I learned was that uh, it, it was up to me to become a professional. There was never going to be any any point where uh, I was going to be able to level up in my career in anything, whether it was in sales or uh, being a rapper or being an actor, you know, those things. I never actually tried to do those things. I just wanted to do those things. Right. Sure. So this was actually the first time in my life where I was doing something and could set some goals. And so uh, dove really deep into, once I kind of caught the bug, I just really deep into the personal development, reading the books, Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, all of it, just consumed as much as I could. Uh, And so that that taught me, you got to take it, you got to own your own career, and you really can't wait for anybody to come in and train you because in the retail world it's that space is notorious for not enabling their people and not training their salespeople properly so I definitely was not getting uh, good training let alone sometimes even good management or good leadership so that was the biggest lesson that I learned and it really changed the trajectory of my whole life uh, if I think about it that's a great lesson, man. I can relate a lot. So um, without boring everyone too much, but when I was in retail, when I was selling cameras at this retail shop, there was barely a day's training. I think they sent us for one day's training in perhaps the two years I was there. And yeah. I eventually just walked out because I had enough. 
But um, yeah, much much like you said, there was there was no perks, there was no incentives. It was yeah, you need to sell these high value cameras, you need to sell these add-ons like memory cards, screen protectors, insurance plans, this and that. There's no commission scheme, there's no bonus structure. It's like why should I be selling all this stuff? Um, anyway, back to, back to the points you've raised. Um, owning your own career or owning your um, the things you do as a professional, great point. Um, and and doing things like reading, listening to podcasts, listening to videos, whatever it may be. Um, how would you say that's helped you specifically, James? Has it done things like giving you new ideas in terms of strategies, in terms of sales process, or why has that helped you? At a, at a very basic level, it, it, it gave me a visible path forward. Because like I said, I, I didn't go to business school. I really didn't know. I was I was an artsy theater kid that wanted to be doing music. I mean, I, so I just really had no clue what I was getting myself into. I had no real idea about what, what, how am I going to turn this into something that, that is long lasting, that's sustainable. And so diving into that training and, and adopting that mindset of kind of owning my career development, it just gave me a view of like, okay, so all of these people out here, the Zig Ziglar's, all of these different authors, you know, I loved Zig because he started out selling knives door to door, or I, I think appliances door to door. So that was like, oh, that's me. And here he is years later, he's built this career. So gave me a path forward, but then really started to give me some things that I could start to try, like tactical things that I could start, I could read something highlight it, make a note, and then go tomorrow on the sales floor and try it out and see that it works and put my own spin on it. And then once you get a taste of that, I, I, I've always been a lover of learning new things. I just never thought that I could enjoy learning new things about selling. And so once I, once I got that light bulb turned on, it was, it was off to the races and, and, my biggest thing is if I'm reading a book, a business related book on sales, I, it, it's got, I got, I have to be highlighting, I have to be writing, and then I have to be go up like applying because for a while there, I, I got inundated with reading too many books and not doing any of it. And then it just becomes mush in your brain. So very uh, intentional about if I'm reading a book that's giving me advice on my career or something tactical that I'm actually going out there and trying to use it <laughs> definitely man. That's, just reading yeah yeah that makes sense i love that you said um learning it and then actually applying it so whether it's highlighting it whether it's taking notes on your phone whatever it may be actually putting the advice into action it's amazing like you said when i first started reading i'm i mean i'm a pretty slow reader so i tend to be listening to audiobooks or podcasts but when you start putting things to action like these strategies that you've never heard of be it a sales tip marketing tip or a strategy and they start working on prospects it's just it's just like a light bulb moment isn't it it's like why wasn't i investing in myself before why wasn't i doing personal development why wasn't i just reading one or two books a month at the least because it helps you so much um and it doesn't take it's not hard is it to, to do in the morning or do in the evening it's just a couple hours so it's it's cool man okay so moving forward past the past the retail for five years what was what was next up james yeah so i was lucky enough to get uh, making that transition is hard when you do something for five or six years, you work in a space and then trying to make the switch over, it was tough. So I was applying to all the places, doing all the things, not getting any response. Luckily, had a friend that started working. 
oddly enough, for a paper company, an office supply company. Uh, and they were growing an inside sales team. And I, when I was working selling cell phones, the last couple of years that I was doing it, I would make videos, YouTube videos, while I was driving to work in, on my phone about sales. And one okay. of my buddies saw it and showed it to the VP of sales at that office supply company. And he was like, oh, that's awesome that that guy likes sales enough to make YouTube videos about it on his way to work, bring him in here. And so that kind of got my foot in the door. That was my first B2B, uh, you know, um, non-retail Monday through Friday, eight to five. Is this real? Can I actually be a salesperson and not work on the weekends job? So uh, yeah. super grateful for that opportunity. Cause again, that was another moment where my career really um, took a turn. Yeah, that's awesome that you got the job as well from doing YouTube videos. And uh, <laughs> that's a great way to stand out. And how did you find that transition moving from business to consumer to business to business? Was it tricky? Yeah, it was. I was scared of the phone, very scared of the phone. It was foreign. I didn't know what to do. So, of course, lots of fear behind it. But I was in an environment where like I said, they were growing the team. So everybody was new pretty much. Nobody really knew what they were doing there. A lot of the folks had experience in sales and they were great about coming to me and they could see that I wanted to learn and that I was hungry to learn. So they would help me and got some really great advice early on about how to deal with some of that anxiety and of picking up the phone. And then once I got into the swing of it, it was... It, it, it was great. It took a little bit of getting used to because there was way more downtime in, uh, you know, in retails on a busy day. It's a 12 hour day and it's bell to bell and you're just moving and rolling, sure. you know, an eight to five day where you spend three hours a day cold calling, a couple of hours in a meeting, an hour for lunch. You know, it's like, wow, you know, this is a different pace. So that was uh, a transition for me, a welcomed one. Um but within six months, I, I um, got promoted to lead uh, the team, uh, a, a portion of the growing team. So uh, felt fortunate to, to yeah, be in a position where I thrived and got some help early on and, and was able to con- very rapidly kind of continue down a path that I wanted to, to go down there. Cool. And were there any, what are the secrets in terms of, you said you overcame your anxiety of picking up the phone. So anyone that doesn't like the dreaded cold calling or reaching out to prospects on the phone or even warm leads, they'd rather contact them on different channels. Via email, yeah. Um, by email, whatever it may be, LinkedIn Messenger, whatever. Um, have you got any tips for, for people that, that don't like using the phone to, to make it less of a sharp object and more of a thing that's going to make you money? Yeah, the piece of advice that I got early on and most people probably are that are watching this probably are already doing this aware of this type of thing. But I was told, Hey, before you start, just like, just sit and just breathe a little bit, just breathe in like five times in and out five times and then go ahead and do it. Because I think we, we sat close to each other. I think he could tell I was like, I would be doing something and I'd be think, and then I'd go right into just calling and it just, my my energy was nervous. And so he mm. was just trying to get me to slow down a bit, breathe a couple of times. And, and that helped me 
So still to this day, before I start cold calling it, I, I'll, I'll do that um, just to kind of level set. And then in a, in a more real life tactical, <laughs> you, you, you've gotten over that part. I think for me, it's, it's, if you're really struggling and I've dealt with this well past my first cold calling job, like years into being an inside salesperson hitting a uh, period where I hated cold calling and really didn't want to. Uh, f- one very tactical thing: find a buddy. So find a coworker, find a teammate, and and just invite them to come do a calling session with you two times a week. Just to okay. so you you're not going to want to let that other person down. You're right. You're inviting somebody else. You're not going to want to let them down. That's going to at least get you back in the swing, and then you'll probably realize this isn't as big of a deal as I thought it was. This can be a little bit fun, you know, and then continue to have those buddy teammate sessions, but that might help you get over that initial fear. So that's something that you could do now, uh, do a zoom call, whatever. Um, and, and that's always been a favorite way for me to kind of get over it. But in a more long-term way, I would think, I would say if you're dealing with serious cold call reluctance, start looking at the process that leads up to what you have to do to make a cold call. Cause uh, there were times in my career where it was so hard to pull a list. It was so hard to find the right people. It was so hard to get the dialer connected to my phone. By the time that I had everything in place to cold call, it was 45 minutes later. And I was so frustrated that I'm not in a good mindset to make cold calls right now. I'm frustrated that it took so long to get enabled to make cold calls. So that's a big one. I think a lot of people run into that. Uh, Take a day, redesign the process that leads up to you being able to make a cold call so that when you get that feeling, when you feel like, oh, yeah, I could do it right now. I'm, I'm in it. I have the right momentum. It only takes a couple of minutes for you to be able to to get up and going. Nice, dude. So a few great points there in terms of relaxing, breathing in, taking a minute or so before you actually go into it, getting perhaps a friend or a buddy to, to ba- hammer out a session with you, maybe do an hour's worth of cold calls in the morning, afternoon, whatever you choose, and preparation. So you made a good point. Um, I can remember I did a little post on this on LinkedIn earlier, actually, when I was um, at a different startup marketing company a few years back now, we had no clients, we had no customers at all, we had no digital presence, everything was brand new whilst we were ramping up digital marketing SEO. So we had no inbound for about six months. So every morning I'd come in, make a few hours of cold calls, try to set appointments in the city. And I'd leave my chair 11, 12 o'clock for lunch. And uh, I'd literally be dripping in sweat because I hated it that much. My chair, my leather chair would be just covered in sweat because I'd didn't realize I was even doing it until I moved. So you could tell how much I didn't enjoy it. Um, and that was for a number of things. One, because I didn't know how to ask great questions. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing. I'd never heard of pattern interrupts back then. And I, was, I, didn't, I, I wasn't breathing like you say. I wasn't doing it with a friend. And I wasn't prepared. I was just pulling data off Google rather than having like everything ready, a system or a dialer. So all those things that you said make, make complete sense to me. Cool, man. And um, before before we move on to the next the next thing for you, was there anything else you'd like to share with us in terms of what you picked up from from that role? Oh uh, man, that inside sales is is tough, and you there are tons of nuances, and it's definitely, in my opinion, not a, 
not something that you can ever really master because it's always changing. So uh, if you're thinking about getting into inside sales and you like that, fantastic. If you're in inside sales and you're hoping to one day reach a point where you've mastered something, I don't think that that it's a journey <laughs> that will end well for you, uh, just from my experience. Okay. No, I completely agree. And would you say that's James? Because there's never a predictable, predictable outcome. As much as you can practice, you never know what the customer on the other end of the phone or the conversation is going to say. Yeah. Well, I would say that the reason that is, is because to me, the key factor in being a successful inside salesperson is understanding that everything's always changing, right? So understanding that I need to be up on the newest technology. I may not need sure. to use it, but I need to at least be aware of it. Maybe my competitions using it. Uh, what's the newest way that I need to be engaging with people based on what's happening in the world? I mean, just, I mean, geez, look at what's going on. I mean, you have to be a, a really in tune professional in order to, to kind of have continued success um, in any role, but especially in one that, that is so nuanced, like inside sales. Love that man. I completely agree. Okay. All right, cool. So that was the first taste of B2B. And are there any other career highlights that we should dive into that you might have some nice stories in before we get to the current role, what you're at now? Yeah. You? yeah. So I worked at the, uh, the paper company and uh, left on the money chase to become a physician recruiter and oh, right. was okay. horrible at that. So bad at it. Um, Why it was that? Was... Recruitment's hard or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is I was, I was recruiting gastroenterologists for temporary work in remote parts of the United States. So, so not an easy ask. The people that I worked with were fantastic. They were all super talented. Lots of them were very, very successful. I, however, was not cut out for that role. Uh, I did it for about 10 months and did everybody a favor and got out of there. Um, and, and that's what led me to my first SDR role, which really has been um, the part of B2B sales that I've fallen completely head over heels in love with and have built a career around now. And everything I do revolves around sales development. So, you know, the lowest point of my uh, kind of B2B sales career led to the best phase of it. So, um, yeah, I think uh, not not a highlight, but definitely a good stepping stone into kind of what I've been doing recently here. Cool, man. And I guess it's good to know what you're not cut out for. And uh, I think <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> I think absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It was tough. a recruitment tough, man. It's a hard, hard gig. Yeah, it was a humbling experience. Um, it was a. It was yeah. Humbling is a perfect word for it. <laughs> Cool, man. Is there anything else before we get to your current role um, uh, outbound for you? Is there anything else you think would be a value to our audience from the, the journey so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you if somebody were to look at my resume, they may think or label me as maybe a job hopper or uh, at certain points in my career. Uh, I've been concerned about that of, mm, you know, I only stayed here 10 months or I haven't been here long enough. And I, I, my piece of advice, just honestly, from my own experience would be just how I put it. Everybody's better off if you're self-aware enough to really be honest about the situation. I think 
there's two sides to every coin. So there's been moments in my career where I've said, I want to get out of here. I want to leave. This place isn't for me. And I'm about six months in the honeymoon period's over, but I really am just being kind of a brat. (laughs) Uh, And if I stick it out, it ends up being, you know, that I just was having a little bit of a tough time and needed to kind of check myself other times in my career. That's, I'm feeling the same way. And it's absolutely a situation where I need to make a move, right? So I would just say self-awareness as you're kind of moving through your career, especially in today's world as a salesperson or, or, or you know, as somebody who's growing a business, I mean, just self-awareness is just so key and knowing when to pivot, when to take a step, when to take a leap if you need to. So um, those are all things that I've kind of learned along the way. And it's landed me in a place where I get to do things that I love doing every day. So um, super happy nice, about man. that. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. And knowing when, knowing when to get out of something always, always uh, I think is, is smart um, rather than just staying, s- sticking something out for the sake of it or because you're, mm. you're not humble enough to admit that it's not going well or it's not going right. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's not doing anybody any favors. Hundred percent. All right, let's move into present day, um, and we want to get into some actionable tips on how you're generating pipeline that we can share with everyone tuning in. Um, so I'd love to learn what you're doing right now, at outbound view, and what you have done in years gone by, James, to generate new clients, new customers, and uh, new cash in the bank from client acquisitions. So whether that's some of the offline strategies that work well for you, be it cold calling, cold email or some of the digital strategies as well, um, be it LinkedIn or digital marketing, if we could just perhaps start with the cold ones, move into the digital and uh, what you're seeing success with. That'll be awesome, dude. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I've worked at different companies at different stages in their kind of growth. So at each point, it's kind of called for a different approach, right? So there've been times where I've worked for uh, firms where it was really just, absolutely made sense to make a bunch of cold calls and send some emails. So I, I absolutely have uh, spent and, and seen real success in using the phone, cold email works, cold calling works, not for everybody, not all the time, not in every industry, but absolutely for certain people, it does. Um, so that'll always kind of be something that I think about and mention you know, when I'm talking about ways to, to grow a business, I just think there is no replacement, especially the phone. I think email gets tougher and tougher year by year, but the phone, I think is just, uh, like my favorite analogy is the phone is like spear fishing. You can just, it's a little messy. It's a little crazy, but if you're good enough and skilled enough, you can grab one and it's immediate emailing's like, traditional fishing you got a pretty lure you write a great email you cast it out but you ha- have to wait for somebody to engage with it and respond uh those two methods of outreach i'm always going to advocate for uh here at outbound view based on kind of where we are in our journey as a business uh, it makes zero sense for us to be doing a lot of cold calling or a lot of yeah. cold outbound uh i know blake's uh, been on the show. Blake Johnson is our CEO. Um, he is a fantastic uh, marketer and has a fantastic marketing mind. Um, and so he's done a f- great job of building a business where uh, he's got a great inbound 
system set up. And so uh, I don't work on that side of the business. I don't work on the, the, the R business development, the outbound view business development side of the business. Um, but, you know, I think just uh, Blake uh, recognizing that, yeah, I mean, what we need to do at this point is build some inbound and get some inbound. And then at a certain point, we'll look to outbound and deploy all these strategies that we know work when you're at the right stage of your business. And I think that's um, so often never mentioned on LinkedIn, right? It's like, should I do this? Well, I mean, it depends on where you're at, right? I think it, it, it absolutely depends on, yeah. uh, yeah. do you have any customers? Do you, <laughs> you it's know, a great so. point. I mean, I think it's a great point. And often when I interview people just like yourself on the show, yeah, their social media content might be heavily geared towards cold calling, cold outreach. And then when I actually chat to, to business owners, it turns out they're doing a multi-channel approach and a lot of their business is in fact inbound. So be it mm-hmm. via SEO, page one, Google organic results, traffic, and then leads coming from that, or be it paid advertisement, be it social. So whilst they might be talking about cold calling every day, all day, a lot yep. of their business is inbound. So it's, it's always funny to see that spin, but that, that's not the case for everyone. That's why I always recommend a multi-channel approach there. Use utilize utilize all the the channels that your customers are on. It's it's just what makes sense, right? Yeah, and I think there are plenty of people that will tell and have conversations with and tell them you should not hire us to cold call, right? I mean, um, uh, I think my thing is if uh, I love talking about cold calling, right? If if you've got to do it or you're at a point where it makes sense to do it. There's lots of different things to talk about and ways to be great at it, but absolutely, it it, it amazes me how quickly people jump to um, have to do outbound before thinking about any of those other uh, ways to 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 grow. Which is a huge reason why I love working here with Blake because he understands that. Yeah, it makes sense. And is there any scenarios that you could perhaps share with us, James? That are situations where it would make sense to do outbound like cold calling and some where it may not from perhaps stories that you've had with your own customers? Yeah. I mean, there are people that are much more qualified uh, to talk about this and at a much uh, (laughs) deeper level than I can uh, most likely. But from my perspective, I think it's based on, you know, the product that you're selling, the ACV, the length of the sales cycle, how long you've been in business, how many current customers you have. You know, there are so many different elements. And I think that um, there's absolutely ways that you can test the waters because I don't think that there's a certain formula or a chart that you could fill out or a checklist that you could go down and say, oh, all right, we're ready for outbound, right? I don't think that doesn't exist, but there are ways that you can test the waters before you start building uh, some sprawling outbound business function. Um, I think there are just with technology and different resources out there, there are ways that you can see, okay, hey, let's run a smaller set of some outbound motions and, and um, before we dive completely in. Cool, man. And um, we mentioned a bit earlier about cold calling, kind of the mindset you need to adapt and Mm. uh, things like partnering up with a buddy and stuff like that. Um, But we didn't talk too much about process. And Mm. um, perhaps you could share with us a few actionable tips in terms of your own strategy 
to, to break through to the decision makers is. So anyone that's thinking, yeah, we do a bit of digital marketing, but we also need to do a bit of cold reach to kind of keep the funnel, keep the pipeline full of leads. Um, have you got any tips you could share with us in terms of kind of strategies to break through the gatekeeper, how to actually connect with um, the decision makers, and most importantly, how to kind of get more meetings done when you are through to them? Yeah, absolutely. I think it starts with identifying uh, a process for how you're going to find the people, reach out to the people, document what's happened, and then continue to keep in touch with those people, right? I, I think uh, it's it's you've got to look in all those areas, right? So how am I going to find these people? Am I going to find them on LinkedIn? I'm going to pull some lists, whatever. Great. I'm going to uh, pull all of those people in and organize it. You have to start there. I think so many times we're so eager to get going that we're not, uh, before we know it, we've got 18 different spreadsheets and four different lists in the CRM. And I don't know what's what, right? We've got duplicates, we've got triplicates, whatever, right? So uh, organization is huge for me. So uh, success in breaking through to the DM <laughs> uh, starts with being organized on your calendar. It sounds crazy, but it's true. Uh, and then, you know, bringing that all the way through to using that organization to make sure that you're prospecting every single day. Um, there are, uh, you know, things that I believe that just have to happen every day. You have to be reaching out to net new people. So people that you've never reached out to or that you have yet to connect with, never heard okay. your voice. Uh, and then you have to be diligent about follow up. I think anybody that's been in sales for any amount of time or business for any amount of time that that's been successful knows that following up and, and, and that's really where a lot of, of, of new opportunities come from is just the willingness to, to attempt to continue to get somebody's attention. So I think you have to build a system like that where every morning you're just following up with the people that you sent emails to a week ago or whatever that system is. Um, and then I think when you finally get to the point of, okay, wow, I've got a hold on all my organization. I know who I'm reaching out to. I've got a system for follow-up really when it comes to when you're on the phone and trying to get to that decision maker or you've got that decision maker, uh, I think really the best piece of broad advice that I could give would be to uh, be as clear about your intentions as possible. So why are you calling? Who are you? Who are you calling from? Why are you calling? Be as clear as possible, as early as possible in the conversation. Um, and then cut the tension by being uh, by addressing the obvious of the absurdity of the situation, right? you've never heard of me. I'm calling you. We've never had a conversation, but I'm hoping that you'll give me some time. This is crazy. I realize that, uh, the self deprecation, uh, will help you immensely. So I think that that's some good broad high level advice that I can give, um, that, that you can go out there and try. That's a pretty solid strategy, man. All right. So we've got organized who you're actually targeting rather than messing around with spreadsheets for days, actually get, get some organization on who you want to be targeting, the type of companies and uh, the, the ideal customer profile, I guess. Spend some time prospecting each and every day. 
um, make sure to follow up. So before we continue the points, have you got any advice on following up, James? Because everyone has their um, their own ways of doing it. So obviously, if we're talking about cold outreach, it's a bit different. But if we're talking about warm leads, it's a slightly slightly different thing. So I mean, it's, it's always a tricky one. And each each guest that we have on the show has has a little bit of different advice. It's always interesting to see what is the best way to follow up, whether it's sharing content, whether it's leaving them like a voicemail on LinkedIn or sending them like a video email. What what works for you, James? What do you recommend? Well, I think it, again, uh, starts with that first conversation that you're having. I, I think follow-up has to be a two-way street. So often follow-up feels like a one-sided conversation. And it's almost like we're, we're asking our prospects, hey, are you okay if I continue to talk to you while you don't listen for the next six months until you're ready to listen to me? It's kind of silly. Yeah. So what we found that works is when uh, and this hurts because a lot of the times you end up getting some truth about the situation, right? But when you go that extra layer, you say, hey, uh, would you, I understand it's not the right time right now. We'd love to send you some information and keep in touch for when it is the right time in six months or whatever that talk track is. And, um, you know, they'll say, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead and send it over. And then in your mind, you're like, oh, put them in the follow-up sequence. We're going to be talking you know, three times a month, I'm going to be, you know, engaging with them. And this is an engaged prospect where if you just ask them one extra layer of something to the effect of great. So I can send you that information. Would you mind giving me some feedback? You know, when I send you this, would you mind just shoot me some feedback on what I send over? That's, that's kind of how, you know, I, I know you probably have tons of people sending you stuff. I don't want to send you something that's not valuable. So just give me some feedback on if what I sense valuable. And then I'll, I'll you know, once you have that buy-in, um, like I said, you may get some truth come out. Sure. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to respond. You know what? Click, <laughs> right? Uh, which happens. Um, but then you also are making it a two-way street, right? So every follow-up is asking for some sort of engagement. You've set that tone the first time with the follow-up. You say, hey, I'm going to follow up, but I'm going to expect you to do something for me in return. Not like that, but essentially that's that's kind of the scenario that you're setting up to ensure that they're engaged, right? And then uh, I think we like to fool ourselves sometimes so that our numbers look a little bit better, right? Or that our yeah, metrics look a little bit yeah. beefier, you know? If we're in sales or in marketing or in business, we're all lying to ourselves at times. Well, yeah, I, I know absolutely. I'm we'll, we'll say to, to our colleagues or our team members or our boss, if we're employed, that, yeah, we've got all these leads. They're looking great. They're going to close at the month end or next quarter. They're 100% coming in. Every time. My target. And uh, like you said, what we should be doing is when we're following up actually – um, it sounds like almost going for the no. So giving giving the customer the option to opt out. So I understand you may not be interested. Absolutely fine. Let me know. However, if it makes sense, let's schedule another time to discuss this information and doing that perhaps whilst they're on the line. So each time you're getting them to take action. So you're actually agree a little bit. Yeah, just a little well, bit of skin in the game. Yeah, just just a little bit of not unreasonable. I don't expect a VP of whatever to engage with me at a high level but but if if they're saying they're going to do something or saying that it's okay for me to keep in touch um let's make it a two-way keep in touch kind of thing so got it and how would you like to secure that is that just a case of sending an invite whilst they're on the line just for the next step or via email or if it makes sense right i i, I think um sure. you know the 
that and that's always the challenging part about playbooks and and tactics and you know if it's contextual yeah i mean if they're obviously trying to blow you off trying to get them to pull up the invite isn't you, you know that's tone deaf and not going to work but i think in in most cases in a very general sense i think a realistic thing to do would be to say great i'm going to send you an email that's going to go over this this and this I understand that it's not the right time that you've got some, you know, it's six months out or whatever the situation is. You kind of rephrase the situation to let them know you understand. And then you say, I'm going to send you this email. And then I, you know, if you just respond back to me and let me know if this resonates with you, you know, it, it, it and just try and, and let them know that you're going to expect some feedback. Uh, now, if they agree to giving you this feedback, that does not mean that you'll get the feedback. Uh, <laughs> most of the time, uh, you still don't, but you can reference that in your, a, a follow-up email. Hey, last time we spoke, I know I was out of the blue, bad timing, but you did, you did say you'd give me some feedback. Totally okay if you, you know, I mean, you can kind of um, play against those expectations that you're, that you're setting at the very beginning. I'm a huge fan of while we're all about respecting our prospects, respect their time. Uh, hey, if we're engaging, if we're going to engage in a business conversation or maybe even a business relationship, uh, I'm going to require some respect in this scenario too, you know? Um, and so I think I, 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 I try to keep that mindset top of mind. I think a lot of the time, especially people that are cold calling, uh, younger folks that are SDRs, solopreneurs that are maybe just trying to make it, you know, we sometimes can feel like, um, like we're less than, or I'll follow up at your convenience and do whatever you say. You know, it's a powerful thing to ask for something in return. And it's also a good way to filter out the people that are tire kickers. Love it, man. Making it a two-way street and making it an even playing field. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. And before we wrap things up, James, are there any other digital channels, perhaps perhaps LinkedIn or any others that you've you've had success with to generate pipeline, generate meetings, generate deals? And absolutely, absolutely. So LinkedIn again, largely based on the context of the industry, the people that you go after. I worked for four years in a space where nobody was on LinkedIn. LinkedIn was not a strategy that I could use to generate meetings at all. I will say we have several clients that we work with today where LinkedIn is a strategy that generates, you know, more conversations, more interest. It, it, uh, LinkedIn is absolutely uh, still has been and will continue to be a place where, uh, in, in certain instances, you can generate pipeline um, through building a personal brand, but not even, you know, we're, we're not doing any crazy personal branding. We're just connecting with the right people in, in, in a respectful way and executing playbooks that uh, very similar to what we would do on the phone or email, right? Just tailoring it to a different channel. So I think um, anybody out there that, that, is thinking about trying it, it's definitely worth a shot, right? I, there are times where we've tried it and it's fallen a little flat with certain industries, certain ICPs. Other times, it's fantastically uh, successful. So um, my cool, advice in general would be to try everything at least once <laughs> when it comes to growing your business, right? Try every channel. Um, 
they're always changing and who knows if it didn't work six months ago, it may work in another six. <laughs> Sound advice, man. Well, thanks so much for coming on, James. Everybody been tuning into Sam's Business Growth Show, where we sit down with business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the, from around the globe. We find out their story, how marketing's helped along the way, and their exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your sales and skyrocket your business. James, we'd like to ask everyone that comes on, if you could thank just one person, either dead or alive, for having a positive influence on yourself and your career, who would that be and why? Oh, I have to thank my mom. Uh, she passed away when I was 21. So she never really got to see me become a responsible adult with a career or do anything cool things like this. Uh, but I, I, I know that she's absolutely the, the DNA that gave me all of my sales ability. So I know she's happy and, and shout out to moms all across the world. Cause they're the best moms are absolutely, uh, the inspiration for all great things <laughs> in my opinion. Good stuff, man. James, tell us a bit more about the best way people can learn from you, how they can connect with you and how they can get in touch with your good self. Yeah, LinkedIn is a fantastic place to find me. Uh, I'm super active there. Uh, I've got some podcasts, all, all the links to everything I'm involved with is on LinkedIn, though. So you can search me there and uh, find out how to get in touch with me. Awesome, dude. Well, if you enjoyed the show, there's tons of other episodes with marketing, business and sales leaders. Um, just search Sam's Business Growth Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube or your podcast channel of choice. James, thanks so much for coming on, dude. Thank you for having me, Sam. This was a blast. Are you tired of constantly hunting for new customers? You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending lots of money on advertising, but your website is failing to convert all of your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of new customers. If you'd like to learn more about our unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you, connect with Sam Dunning on LinkedIn or book a free 20-minute consultation via webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Subscribe today for more digital marketing, sales and business growth tips from the experts.